I'm Dr. Scott Lyons, and you're watching or listening to The Gently Used Human. We would likely all agree that what we eat can transform our health, but could it also help us heal our deepest wounds? My guest today is Alyssa Goodman, a true warrior in the world of holistic health and nutrition. Diagnosed with cancer at 32 and having endured the loss of her husband to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, Alyssa's journey is not just one of survival, but a profound transformation. In our conversation, we'll explore Alyssa's passionate advocacy for cleansing diets and the power of plant-based nutrition. Alyssa shares her beliefs in the mind's power to heal and the importance of listening to our body's unique needs. Join us as we unravel Alyssa's insight into the healing journey from facing life's toughest battles to discovering the power of self-love and the role of nutrition and holistic healing. Let's do this. Alyssa, welcome to the Gently Used Human. So if we were doing this show in your kitchen right now, which is actually where I'd rather be, what would we be making? Oh, God, I love that question. <laughs> so we'd probably be making a green juice oh. to start out with, or, or a blended green smoothie. So I, ever since I was diagnosed with cancer at 32, and I started juicing then, and 30 years later, I'm still juicing. And I love... You love a juice. Oh, my God. The vibrancy from drinking these greens, yeah. it's amazing. What would be in our green juice this morning? It would be celery, cucumber, yeah. parsley, cilantro, yeah. lemon, and ginger. Okay. Super easy things to keep around in the fridge, not expensive, yeah. but they're just like they have minerals in them, like cucumber and celery. So they actually lower inflammation in your gut. They like help get you hydrated because of the minerals. And then also ginger, of course, for antibacterial, lemon for a little alkalizing, and then cilantro and parsley for he heavy metal detoxing. Love it. I'm actually allergic to celery. Can we put something else? Yes. You don't even have to have <laughs> celery. So you were never into the medical medium celery juice craze? No. Did you ever hear about that? I absolutely can neither confirm nor deny why I know about that, but I will say <laughs> I do know about it. Yeah. Yeah. That was huge for years. Huge. Yeah. And it takes a lot of celery. I was worried we would run out of celery. <laughs> it got so popular. It did. We did to oh, some we, degree. We, we did, did here in California and LA. And this is an interesting thing about like when something becomes like superfoods become all the rage is that there's actually a significant consequence from it, an agricultural perspective. Yeah. And in the agricultural perspective of also where that food is derived from yeah. that I think a lot of us don't necessarily think about. Right. Do you have any thoughts on that or like how to navigate the superfood crazes? I mean, it is, I, mean, I think for real food, yeah. you know, just, I think there's always opportunity to, I think because it's good for you and healthy and it's not like you're like a really obscure superfood yeah. that some people go for yeah. that I just think you can't get enough, really. Oh, that's so funny. We really did run out of celery. <laughs> I mean, there was a celery shortage. There was. Over yeah. COVID, there was a salary share. So it might have been a just a shortage in terms of uh, what was coming in yeah, because <laughs> of lockdown. So Okay. I mean, toilet paper and celery shortage. It was a big deal. Yeah, that was a big deal. Right, because you needed the toilet paper because the celery just cleans you cleans out. Cleans you right on out. <laughs> so I think you mentioned, you were starting to mention, but how did you become so interested in food and nutrition? 
So growing up, I was really kind of not a healthy kid. I was always tired behind the eight ball. I was born with a low white blood cell count. So I got sick all the time. But in those days, no one knew what to do. They didn't know how to give you vitamin D. or. And I also lived in Arizona, so I probably was lucky because I was out in the sun a lot. But they didn't know how to replenish or rebuild your immune system. And so as a teenager growing up, I just constantly got mono and I got tonsillitis and strep throat and all kinds of allergy situations. I'm sure my gut wasn't healthy and I was always craving sugar because my energy was low. And really, I always blame my parents because I had these two type A parents that ran circles around me. They were very successful. They would get up at five and they'd have everything done by 8 a.m. You know, there were that type of, <laughs> it was really hard to live with. So emotionally, I was a mess too, because I was like, these guys are older and I'm so young. I should be running circles around them. So I did move to New York and sort of followed in my dad's footsteps. He was in, in the advertising marketing world and, of course, got sick a lot there because didn't really know how to take care of myself. And then basically I said to my husband at one point when we were in New York, I was tired of the lifestyle. I wanted something slower, something like more sunshine coming back to that. And I just wanted like a just more low-key life. And so we moved to L.A. And then the minute I moved to L.A., I was diagnosed with cancer. So it was a culmination of like not feeling well, immune system suppressed, emotions also. It was a big emotional component for me. I was always stressed. I was I never like knew what happiness or calm or any of those things that I know now that I think really do help with my anti-aging regime, but I didn't know what that felt like. So emotionally I was a mess. Wow. I lived in New York and I know exactly what you mean. It's like no matter how well you're doing, you are always in the hamster wheel of New York City. And the the rhythm and the pacing of it is always pushing you. It feels like there's a constant urgency no matter what you're doing. Right. And so you moved out here. That was my life too. My parents were like that. Yeah. So they instilled that in me. Yeah. I never knew how to stop. I didn't know. You know, and it was never like about, uh, I know now, like the self-love part and really honoring yourself and taking care of yourself first. Like they always say, put the oxygen mask on first. Yes. But none of us do it. No. So that wasn't in our regime growing up. It was like, if you really cared about yourself, that was kind of, you were selfish, self-absorbed. So it was a negative thing. So until I kind of got that instilled in me at 58 years old, I mean, things didn't change. This is a recent sense that self-care is actually not selfish, or we can re like reframe the con concept of selfish as like self-sustaining. Yeah, exactly. And honor who we are and really take care of ourselves in the way we need to. I mean, first and foremost, I mean, having cancer taught me that. So there was one doctor in my regime that I really didn't want to go see. A friend of mine wanted me to go see in Santa Monica. And he sat me down and he said, are you happy? Do you love your life? Do you love your job? Do you love your husband? And I burst into tears. I don't know what that means. Like I'm always stressed. I'm always like fight or flight mode, not sleeping well, not eating that well because I'm so tired and um, still working million hours trying to like, still it's expensive to live here as it was in New York. And it was all about that. And I, he said, you got to slow you down. We got to get your emotional well-being 
routine. We got to get you into therapy. And that's when everything changed for me. I went into therapy, started doing yoga, read every self-help book I could get my hands on. I'm also an Aries. So I'm like one of those people, if you know the astrology signs, I don't know what you are. Cancer. Cancer. Okay. Triple cancer, says the producer. (laughs) I just dive into stuff and like until I just want to learn about everything. Yeah. And it was great. I lived in LA. There was one juice place, went to that every day. It was Mrs. Gucci's, not Whole Foods at the time. And it was a beautiful place to live because it was all that available. And what was the journey then as you started to make these lifestyle changes in relation to your cancer? So it was kind of cool because that was the first of my life I could step back. And I took some time off work. I was working for Vogue magazine, which was kind of a nightmare as well. And so I took some time off and I just took care of myself. And it felt amazing. I only did it for a short time. I didn't do the Western treatment that they wanted me to. And my oncologist fired me, by the way, did not want to work with me. So I had to find an oncologist who would do some radiation. He wanted to do chemo and radiation. And it was a very early stage of Hodgkin's lymphoma. So I did half the radiation only for my family's sake, like, or my friends. They were all freaking out. I would not have done it if I had my choice today. So, and then when I did the radiation, they radiated my thyroid. So I got Hashimoto's, hypothyroidism. I got all these anxiety, sleep issues after that. But luckily, I went back on the hamster wheel sadly, had two girls. And then 11 and a half years later, my husband's diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so at 43 and a half, I'm dealing with someone that is, is having cancer and going the same way that I am in terms of like the fear of it all. And he ends up having two bone marrow transplants in a year and a half, went the whole Western route. I think the reason being his dad had died of cancer of melanoma when he was two. So you know how your subconscious is kind of fully downloaded by the age of seven. I think since he was two, he, that cancer terrified him. It didn't terrify me as much, I think to the core as it did him. So he just listened to the doctors and he ended up passing away of fungal pneumonia at 45 years old. So it wasn't the cancer that got him. It was his immune system. So it was really crazy to watch. And then I was again, depleted. I had these two girls at home and everyone's like, what the hell are you going to do with your life? And I couldn't even function. I was like, I couldn't see straight. I couldn't feel anything. I was just like emotionally drained. And then I was like, these two girls are going to be scared shitless that their two parents had cancer. All they're going to think about is like, I'm going to be scared of cancer. And cancer's not going away. As we see, it hasn't gone away and it's just getting worse. So that's when I went back to school and got certified in Eastern and Western medicine. And I didn't do it to come to do this today. I just wanted to learn for myself and for them. I wanted all of us to be stronger and healthier and to like just have information. And I loved it so much. Cafe Gratitude hired me to do a food program for them after I graduated. And I did that for four and a half years. And then M Cafe hired me, it's a macrobiotic restaurant, yeah, to do six and a half years of their macrobiotic, they were called cleanses. Yeah. And then I started my own cleanse nine years ago. So it just kind of all flowed. Wow. I mean, there's something about post-traumatic growth, which I, I always am very cautious about because I'm like, oh, out of that tragedy, look at all the amazing things you did. And it's it sort of negates the pain of the tragedy. And so I, I don't want to just be like, wow, look what you've done out of that. But I want to really honor the pain I imagine was involved in so many years. It was. Yeah, it was was so fucked up. 
It was miserable. I mean, living in LA, kids in private school, you know, husband dies, like, how am I going to afford all this? How am I going to like keep up, which is kind of a shitty thing, you know, to say these days, because I don't keep up now with the Joneses type of thing, but I did then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's real. Yeah, it was super painful. And it was pain. My girls didn't do so well for 10 years. And to pick up the pieces constantly with all of that and just try to figure out how to move on beyond it was really tricky. What did you do, like in terms of resources and support during that time? I mean, it mostly was talk therapy. So, and then yoga and like breath work and like trying to, and food did help me center myself a little bit more. Just really juices helped me get off my sugar addiction. Mm -hmm. So there was, the food was helpful, the talk therapy for years, I was married to that. I mean, now I would say, it probably has been six years now, I started doing plant medicine. And I would say that was massively huge because that was way better than talk therapy. Yeah. I do believe in talk therapy, so I don't want to put it down. We can put it down. <laughs> but I got so far from one psilocybin journey yeah. than I did in like 10 years of therapy, as a lot of people say. Look, I mean, the reality is you can't talk your way out of trauma. Right. Trauma stored, the body keeps a score of the trauma and it's on this primal level that cannot be accessed just through talking. Yeah. And your subconscious. It's your subconscious. Dig into that subconscious with talk therapy. And 96% of what is happening in our body and our beings right now is the subconscious. We're only aware of like three or four, maybe max 6%. And so when we're talking, Maybe sometimes we fall into the shadow of the subconscious, but most often we're referring to what's in the conscious awareness, which is so little comparatively. It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing, right? <laughs> I just think, yeah, when I learned all about that, I was, yeah, that I'll say that first journey, I, I got went into my subconscious and I saw that I lived in a fear state, of course, of getting sick again, yeah. and that my girls would not have a parent. So, and then I also saw that I was scared to death of them getting sick and losing them, like losing someone else that was like in my life that close to me. And I just lived in fear. And then in that journey, I saw that there was a bigger power, bigger universe, and I could relax and be like, I am going to be okay. Yeah, shit's going to happen. But overall, I, I want to be okay, and I don't want to live in that fear, and also don't want to label myself a sick kid or a sick person, a woman, And I guess at that point. I was labeled a sick person my entire life. Parents, my husband, like everybody came around me because I was always getting sick. So they're like, oh, there she is again. Like, she's sick. She's not sleeping. She's There was always talk around that, and that just was awful to live by. And that, I think it downregulated my immune system yeah. consistently. Like just the label itself, it's something you internalized, affected your physiology. Yeah. Absolutely. That makes so much sense. To, yeah. Does that identity still linger for you at times? A little. A little. It's hard to get rid of, right? Yeah, I have to be honest. Please be honest. <laughs> We're humans. I mean, this is like yeah. the gently used human. We're like, yes, you're successful. You've done amazing things in the world of nutrition. And you're still, yeah. we're still human. Yeah. Yeah. So I talk to clients all day and a lot of them are cancer related cases. Just had someone stage four and 
it just, it penetrates me and like really takes, does a number on me. And it does, I do go into a fear place and I have to like talk myself out of it, meditate, like figure out, you know, how to release their stuff and like not have it be mine, my story. It's their story. And, but still it is definitely, it's scary. It's a day-to-day thing I have to deal with, you know, and I still deal with some sleep insomnia stuff that I had when I first started doing the journeys that I had that I couldn't seem to shake. And it ever, it comes back every so often. And then I know something emotionally I have to deal with. Something's lingering that I have to let go of. And sometimes it's hard to like really figure out what that is. Because it's in the shadow of our awareness. Yeah. I mean, there we all grew up with so much trauma. Shit, yeah. <laughs> It's like endless. And I, you know, sometimes it's hard to talk about when you have a parent that's still alive. But it was it was very traumatic with my childhood. There was not a lot of hugging, not a lot of warmth, kissing, or you're great, with whatever whatever you do. And I think I went the full other circle with my girls. I'm like, you're great no matter what you do. And my fiance's like, you know, you maybe need to have some middle ground there. Often we we do the Goldilocks of our own childhood. We like go, I mean, I have a dear friend of mine who I love so much and her childhood was messy to say the least. And parents who were drug addicts and in jail. And when she had a child, she never put the child down ever. She was like, I'm going to make sure this child knows they're loved 24 seven. And you just, I mean, like I worked in pediatrics and I was like, I, and actually I backed away and I was like, do what feels right. Yeah. And how did it work out? The baby's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the baby's amazing. Yeah. Or the kid's amazing yeah. now. Yeah. But not everything's perfect, of course, you know, so. I want to take a moment to give a loud shout out to The Embody Lab, which is uh, one of the most incredible resources for body-based and somatic therapies. This show is all about healing, and The Embody Lab does exactly that. Whether you're on your own journey of transformation and discovery, or enhancing your skill sets in your career as like a coach or a therapist, a body worker, or really any career where you are supporting other gently used humans, the Embody Lab is your place for deep, inspiring and impactful workshops, certificates, masterclasses, and an incredible community of like-minded folks. I love the Embody Lab, and so do so many other people that call it a platform to come home to over and over again. The Embody Lab is giving my listeners an exclusive offer, a one-time 10% off code to enhance your embodied well-being. All you have to do is go to theembodylab.com and use the code GENTLYUSE10 at checkout. You know, there's some interesting research. And in have you ever looked at the research between early, like how much touch we get as a child and the responses in our immune system? No. Okay. I don't know if we'll cover it as much here. There's a phenomenon that emerged really prevalently in the pandemic, which was called touch hunger. And it replicated a phenomenon in psychology that maybe, I guess, wasn't so well known previous to that because there was we had access to touch and then all of a sudden we didn't. And so there were studies that were done, not in this country, and I won't go into too much detail because they're actually pretty sad, but in a orphanage, the kids were not touched 
in this particular orphanage. And so they were observing what happened as part of this phenomenon. It was during a point where, similar to the pandemic, there was reasons why they couldn't touch the kids. Nearly all the kids got severe autoimmune disorders or died. And it has to do with the fact that touch is our main organizer or main access point or medium of co-regulation of our nervous system. And so a lot of these kids didn't get the opportunity to be co-regulated with. And as we know, when there's a flooding of basically experiences that don't get regulated, that shows up in our immune system. So, and it shows up as being sick all the time or diseases. I just think about that for you. And then we almost shame the individual, label them, as opposed to recognize the origins and how we can be supportive towards the origins of why. Right. Oof. I know. Oof. I know. Fuck. I know there's so much we can do at an early stage, you know, and also just in not the information we know these days. With that, with emotional well-being and making sure kids feel safe, as well as like, you know, being able to feed them healthy food and at least try to get them on that track. I know that's, I I mean, I see clients all the time in cleansers because I have this five-day cleanse and they go on this five-day program and at the end of five days, they're different people. I mean, it's wild just to take inflammatory foods out of their diet. I mean, I'm not there hugging them and touching them, but... Even though I'd like to be, but, you know, I'm feeding them. And we have a lot of incredible energy that goes into the food. We have like a quantum healing energy that is into the kitchen. We have like this... It's, I don't even know exactly how it works, but yeah, there's a vibration that we set up for the kitchen. I've set up for myself in the house and all these things just because I believe in energy so much. And the food gets energized and it gets love and it gets so people feel that nurturing and that love from us. I mean, I know that can sound super L.A. for some of our listeners (laughs) where we are. Quantum healing. Quantum healing for your food. But to normalize that, too, is like we all know what it's like to go have a home cooked meal that's made with love. Like you can taste it in the food, the intentionality of the food. We also know that like the origin of the food itself, like certain farms have richer, denser nutrient food because of where it's grown and how it's grown. And, you know, I just want to put that out there to folks of like, there is actual significant evidence that how we are in relation to our food affects our, not just the food, but our digestion and our absorption of the food. Yes. So I love that you're doing that. Yeah, it feels good. Like nurturing. I mean, I've because we're talking about that. Let's overall nurturing. Yeah. And it's like we might not get it through. There's lots of lots of access points to nurture. And I think food is an absolute incredible medium to to receive nurturing. It is. I love that. It's like that's what I actually am like. I'm sitting here thinking about like I have this image of you as like this nurturing mom, like giving people that love through the food. I don't know if that resonates, but that's the image I get when we're talking. I'm not sure the mom part because I don't think I was so nurturing as a mom for many okay. years. <laughs> I am now because I yes. just freaking adore my girls, and but I wasn't. I don't think honestly, the best nurturing mom after all of that happened. I was in survival mode. And so, but now I just, I do send love to all my cleansers, to all my clients through myself. Like I just put out that vibe to them because I do, I love, I also love people overall. And I just, there is this image that I have that I want to 
be someone that goes around as like, what is it? It's not a fairy godmother, but it's a little, like there are all these houses in the U.S. that are black. They have no lights on. And so I'm going around like tapping them and the lights are going on. Just simple things like light. And then they're starting to like change their lives and become what they want to become because they have these simple protocols that they know they can do, that they can easily do, that don't cost a lot of money, that can make them feel better and be better people. You're like the Hippocrates fairy. Yeah, what's the fairy? Yeah, Hippocrates fairy of like going around, food is thy medicine, food is thy medicine, food is... Stay hydrated. (laughs) But I love that. I mean, and there's a way in which you're doing it again. And I mean, I hear that we... When we're in a survival response, nurture is not, it's not available. Survival is available at its best. And it speaks to somehow, I imagine you're not in the survival mode if if how you are able to be in the world now is to be that that food caretaker, that nurturer in the world that you are. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> okay, full circle. But it, it speaks to the fact that we can come out of survival mode. Yeah, Absolutely. And I just feel so lucky. I'm so grateful that I actually went down this road because, I mean, I'm I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with food. I'm obsessed with like just vibrancy of life and thriving. And because I do see my mom's 93 and like living into your 90s, you don't want to be sick and in a home or right. You want to be actually out doing things and really feeling good about yourself. So, and having energy to travel and and to also have energy for your grandchildren and your children. So, I think, you know, the world is seeing that we are being able to live longer. I, yeah, of course, it is by a lot of drugs that we have on the market that we can live longer. But hopefully, we will also be able to live longer without all of that. Well, we have some natural drugs called food, <laughs> which were our original, going back to Hippocrates, like that was our original medicine. Yeah, and supplements. And supplements and derivatives of that food. Absolutely. Superfoods. Superfoods. What's your favorite superfood? Uh, what's my favorite? I mean, oh God, that's a hard one. Is it? Uh, can't believe it's a hard one. I would say, you know, I would call probably probiotics a superfood for me. Fermented foods or probiotic supplements that are really good, high quality ones, Mm -hmm. because they can really change your digestion, like we were talking about. Change your whole life. Yeah, life, right. (laughs) You change your gut microbe, like you change everything. Yeah, Yeah. I do love those. I love, you know, I I used to do a lot of greens powders, like spirulina and corolla, all of that too. So then, you know, now they're, they've become very high tech in terms of the, the powders that they do put together. I don't love things that have millions of things in them. I, yeah. I like more taking spirulina or chlorella or bioactive silver or, you know, just simple things to see if they work for you individually. Are those things pretty accessible over the United States? Yes. They are. Yeah. Where do people get all of that? Amazon. And if you know the good brands to get them, because there are, you know, there are doctor approved brands like Thorne and Pure Encapsulations and Gaia is another fantastic brand. So there are really good high quality bands out there that you can just buy off of. I didn't even think about that. That's like, I've lived in major cities most of my life. So, but that there's more accessibility to a lot of these nutrients, superfoods. That's so important. 
they have become a little bit all-encompassing in terms of like people are taking too many and they're overdoing it and they're also (laughs) following people on social media and they're like so the social media people are like you should take this and this and this and they're all they're buying all that shit they're also buying the shit that i'm talking about too and then i'll talk to a client and they'll have this list of supplements i'm like why are you on that why are you on that because you said it was good and i'm like well Mm -hmm. it's not for everybody so it's just that's a little pet peeve of mine these days. This is the interesting challenge or dilemma of accessibility of information is that we don't know how to delineate what's right for us as opposed to and to recognize like, hey, a lot of those people on social media, they're also getting paid. Yes. And so they're talking about this one day and colloidal silver the next day and this powder the next day. It's because they're getting some moolah. I know. That's what's hard. Hopefully those things will like chill out a little bit. But I know people that are constantly wanting to feel better. So nobody feels good mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, like they're just looking for things to help them. So I do I do talk to my clients about tuning into their subconscious and to their what is really they they know what their instincts know. You know, when we're born, we have incredible instincts. And then as time goes on, they lessen, you know, and we let we start to not follow them, but we still have those instincts instilled in us. So to be able to go back to those instincts is the most powerful thing you can do. You have them use that in relation to what to nutrients the they're taking. And your the food. supplements, and also even muscle test the supplements on them. Yes, I love muscle testing. Can we explain to the folks who are listening who don't know muscle testing kind of how that works? Yes. I love applied kinesiology. I do too. So I do it a lot. Like I will take a supplement and put it on, I put it on my gut because I'll do it myself and like just really try to center myself standing. And then I'll say to myself, is this B complex good for me? And my body will go forward if yes and back if not. I mean, it almost feels kind of surreal. Yeah. It's like a a human pendulum. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll say, should I take one or two? And it will tell me always. And then when I take the supplement, I always like try to just take one thing at a time to see if it is working or not working. I always feel like you can tell if something is working or not. So that muscle testing is huge. Like that, I know we can go to a doctor and have it muscle tested as well, but we can do it on ourselves because if if we center into ourselves and our instincts know what we should be doing and not. And I love helping people reclaim their agency and power in that way. Because yes, we can go to a a doctor or applied kinesiologist and do muscle testing. So that's like, for those who are listening or watching, you might might take some, you might put the pill in someone's mouth or on their body and you'll take their arm, for example, and you'll test the functionality of the muscles. So it quote unquote, it looks weaker. It's not really weaker. It's just not as functional when if the medication or the the vitamin is not optimal for their body. And so you push down like their arm, for example, and the arm would drop down, for example, and you test before. So you have a before and after. Right. See if it, and if it is strong, it doesn't move. Yeah. And if it's strong, it doesn't move it. Yeah, exactly. And it's right. And then you, it's a brilliant methodology. I just feel like so, it takes for me the guessing game out of it. And there are machines that actually do look at like on a very detailed level, what, you know, you can put a pill on and then also see the the responses on a monitor, but I don't think it's as needed. Right. Can we get into this question that I have that I've been holding for you? 
this entire hour, which is, what is a cleanse? Like, okay, is cleansing good for you or bad for you? I right? don't even know that. Like, I just am like, cleanse is such like a popular word yeah. that I'm like, what does it mean these days? Yeah. So to me, cleansing means just really cleaning up your diet. Okay, so it means trying to remove all the anti-inflammatory or inflammatory foods out of your diet, which is mostly too much sugar, dairy, cow dairy especially, because cow dairy has a casein molecule that's very hard to break down in our gut. Sheep and goat has a different casein molecule that's a little easier. Okay, so cow definitely is harder. Also gluten, some people have a gluten intolerance, some people don't. So if you do have a gluten intolerance, you know, taking that out of the diet, bad seed oils. Like that's gotten a little extreme too as well, the bad seed oils. Oh, really? Yeah. Just because some canola oil is not bad. Some sunflower oil isn't bad, but they're considered bad, okay. all of them across the board. So the seed oils that have too much omega-6s and are bad, just taking those out of the diet, just eating real food. Yeah. So my cleanse is all about getting, we give about over 50 different vegetables in the five days. So getting a lot of vegetables, which have the vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, phytonutrients in the food and eating food that's as close to the earth as possible. Yeah. So, and also that it's really just cleaning up the diet and your body knows how to respond to real food, knows how to metabolize it, digest it. And also some people do have an intolerance to like maybe nightshades and things like that. And hopefully they know that before the cleanse because we do have some nightshades on the cleanse, but- No tomatoes and eggplants for you, my friend. Exactly. That's, yeah. <laughs> but we have some of the, we have tomatoes on there, especially in the summer when tomatoes are yeah. so beautiful and high season. Yeah. So it's really, eat, and we give them a shitload of food. Yeah. And I want people to not starve or deprive themselves because cleansing in the past has been about starvation and deprivation. Oh yeah. It's orthorexia in a bottle. Totally. <laughs> That's why I'm like, what do we mean by cleanse these days? This is about a real anti-inflammatory diet. And it shouldn't be called diet. It's just an eating regime. And it is more plant-based only because people eat so much animal protein. And sometimes I think they might overdo it. I'm not opposed to animal protein. But it does take 14 hours for animal protein to go through your small intestine and cow dairy. I don't know if you know that. No. Kind of wild. And it takes 90 minutes for plant-based food to go through your small intestine. So when we eat, you know, we need the amino acids for animal protein. We need the iron. All of they has great nutrients. But we have such an issue with our digestive tract. And we are not going to the bathroom enough, you know, and flushing food out. So this is about that too. It's about... Plant-based, giving your body a break from the animal protein and also just flushing the system out and making sure people are going to the bathroom at least once a day or more because nowadays going once a day is considered constipated. I'm going to get burned for that, I know. <laughs> yeah, because we really should go two and three times. After every meal, we're yeah, supposed yeah, to go yeah. to the bathroom, yeah. but we go once. Yeah. I remember in my 11th grade health class and my professor was like, or teacher, whatever they're called back then, professor, was like, yeah, everyone should be pooping three times a day. And the whole class went in uproar. They're like, I mean, we're all like eating crap food right. and shit like that. And so most of us, and I remember one person being like, I only go twice a week. I thought that was normal. Yes, I know. Some people like, yeah, they do just go twice a week or- They just save it. They just- <laughs> They save it for a good time. Oh my God, it's so bad for you. So that is the whole, we have a ton of fiber on the cleanse. Yeah. 
There's legumes and beans, a lot of that. I really try to focus on getting healthy fat, lots of fiber, lots of protein. So it's about 60 grams of protein for everybody with the legumes and beans throughout the cleanse because we have them in the salads. And we also have quinoa or black rice or things that have protein in it. We And the soups have protein. So we give smoothies and we also have a bone broth that is a real chicken bone broth. So we have a vegan one and a regular one. If you're vegan, you don't have the chicken one. So yeah, just... I can't believe we're finishing our ninth year with it. Wow. I know. It's nine years and the food is super fresh, organic. And again, just it's made with, our team is amazing. It's made with a lot of love and it tastes good. I'm a foodie. (laughs) It has to taste good. I mean, I love food. I love, I love really exotic food, interesting food. Like I don't really, I don't eat a lot of dairy. I'll probably say I have sourdough for my gluten. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't eat a lot of gluten. It doesn't. It's not the greatest for me and sugar, but I eat pretty much everything else. Yeah. How often should people be doing cleanses? People do it every week because it's not a it's not a really hardcore deprivation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're getting so much food. The crazy thing is at the end of five days, what is so fun, mostly the men lose nine pounds to 10 pounds. That's so specific. I know it is so specific. The women are like, fuck that, that. I lose four or five. What's up with that? I don't really know the reason behind that. Exactly. But I don't know if it's the men just sticking to it and like they eat more than the women do normally. So, or they're just losing a lot more water weight, but they lose weight and they're satisfied. So they're really, they're not hungry. So people do it weekly. I had someone on it, a celebrity for like over a year and a half, every single week. Who was it? So she, I know, I wish I could say. Bring him on in. Let's talk about it. No, I'm just kidding. Every day or wow. Yeah, every week she did it. Well, at that point, it's just a meal plan. Yeah. I mean, like a healthy meal plan. Yeah, it was a healthy meal plan. And we try to switch up the salads and the soups. And like every three months, we would do a whole new menu. Now we're like putting new salads and soups in every few weeks because we have so many people that do it. We have a three-day. We have a five-day. We also have a gut cleanse. The gut cleanse is really cool because that has activated charcoal on it. So they do five days of activated charcoal and there's science behind resetting your gut in five days. That's all you need is this really high power activated charcoal. And then we load them up with probiotics. So that is a really fun one too. There's sauerkraut on that and some beautiful things that help the gut like lower inflammation. Can you break down what activated charcoal is? I mean, I only know it from when I lived in Indonesia and we basically survived off charcoal. (laughs) Yeah. Charcoal is like grabs on to toxins and can remove them from the body. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's fantastic. Anytime you get sick, yeah, you know, with a, like you're out of the country, of course. Right. You take your activated charcoal you with activated you. Charcoal. Right. I love all that stuff. You know, the food, little critters that you ingested don't make things feel good downstairs. Yeah. It's been around for centuries. Yeah. 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 Just like a lot of these things have been around that are beautiful for removing what bacteria, fungus, pathogens yeah. in the gut. So just like oregano oil and grapefruit seed extract, all these beautiful things, they will remove and lower pathogen loads like fungal and bacterial. And that is a big problem these days, as you probably know, like everyone talking about SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, or CIFO, fungal overgrowth. Yeah, it's all the rage. It's all the rage. (laughs) It's all the rage. They're proud of it. Like I have SIBO now. 
This show is also brought to you by the absolutely stunning and powerful tools for transformation that are created by Omala. Oof, even the name Omala transports you to a place of flow and vitality. These are some of my favorite products ever, like an amazing color-changing yoga mat that responds to your temperature and presence and reflects back your posture in real time. They have this incredible smelling skin balm candle that heats up to activate all the essential oils and vitamins that your skin has been craving for. I mean, look, if I could live in a giant bath of this candle, I would 100% do it. They also have these journals that lead you into a profound insight, and then you can plant those journals to create a stunning flower garden. I mean, damn, if that's not both deep and inventive, I don't know what is. If you're someone who desires to live in a luxurious flow of life and who believes in transformative wellness, then you have to check out Omala. Omala is giving my listeners an exclusive discount to treat yourself to something that is as special as you, boo. All you have to do is go to omala.com, that's O-M-A-L-A.com. Use the discount code DRSCOTT10 at checkout. And a portion of every purchase goes to an incredible charity. You got this. There's something kind of funny to me, like, it's like we're going back to our roots, but like in a way that it's like, we're talking about like these superfoods and these oils and it's all the rage. It's just like, that's actually just what's being marketed. But Hippocrates, going back to Hippocrates, it's like food is like medicine. We've been doing this for a long time, recognizing the power of just restoring our health through what's available and to recognize the synergy between our own biology and these foods as opposed to being like, oh, it's about the foods. It's actually about the synergy between us. And it's like, we have an innate power to heal in relation to what we're consuming. It's just like, it's not like just the food is doing, is the medicine itself. No. It's the synergy. And it's also the belief system. Mm. Like we're talking about the belief of someone who has stage four. One of my favorite cancer books is Radical Remission. It's by Kelly Turner. She did her PhD and she actually investigated stage four cancer. None of them did Western therapy. They all did like their own holistic modalities and they healed. Yeah. I mean, there was food. Most of it was emotional and like getting rid of trauma and stress and all of those things. But food, supplements, and exercise was a part of that regime. And I think it's, you know, Joe Dispenza and the what happened to him and his bike accident and, you know, damaging, like breaking every bone in his body practically. And him being able to restore his body without having any surgeries. I mean, it's remarkable. What, and then Anita Morajami, do you know who she is? She had cancer, had tumors all over her body. And basically through the will of her mind, when she realized that she was probably going to die, she did not want to die. She was in kind of in an altered universe and came back and was able to heal and not have any tumors and is healthy and such a beautiful human today. So that power that we have of the mind and the body is so remarkable. If you believe you can heal, I think anything is possible. I agree. And I'm going to throw in some nuance in there <laughs> because I had this experience and there might be people listening who are, you know, it's it's interesting what happens. It's like 
there are people in the world, a lot of who I've worked with as patients, and they're like, I am changing my belief system and there is real disease. And there's a shame that can emerge with like, but I'm doing the best I can. I have healed or like, or that they internalize like, oh, my cancer is my fault. I had my dearest friend, my dearest professor and mentor, when she got cancer, a mutual friend of ours said, oh, well, if she just went and did therapy, I bet she could heal herself. And I said, we're not going to talk for a week. I need you to recognize the inappropriateness of that statement in this moment because it was in front of her too. And I was like, what you need to realize too is like when you're in survival mode, which I mean, I, I can we've been talking about and what emerges in cancer, it's hard to shift your belief system and it's easy to start looking for ways to identify, ways to regain control. And sometimes we try to regain control by blaming ourselves. And that is a vicious cycle. And then we're in this like challenge of like, if I just believe differently, I'll heal it, but I'm also at fault. And this is the nuance of like, that I think is also important to talk about that yes, our mindset plays an absolutely crucial part. And sometimes there are other, and many times there are other factors that are beyond our trauma is an important piece and it's not just trauma. And like, this is not a popular thing to say and so why I want to say it because it's, it doesn't sell as well. It's like, if you just change your opinion, then you change everything as opposed to if you can, it has a significant or serious effect. Do you feel like, I feel like when you talk about that, I keep coming up with the word surrender. Yeah. You know, like surrendering to the fact that you do believe it's your fault. Like, okay, I believed it was my fault. I believe my cancer was my fault. So I also believe my husband dying was my fault. Really? Yeah. In what way? Just because I felt like there was something else I could have done. Like survivor guilt? Yeah. And I didn't do enough. I didn't support him enough. I didn't love him enough. I didn't feed him enough good food. I mean, didn't help him with his stress, like all those things. So I feel like, I mean, I've now, I have to like say, okay, you know, it is what it is. And I do still feel like guilty about those things or feel like it was my fault. But I now try to surrender to the fact of, like there's nothing I could do about it now, right? I just have to figure out like how to move forward and do better, whatever I can do too. Like I agree with you. I mean, there is that huge part, like I got this illness and because it's my fault, right? That I, I'm here. Yeah. So there is both. There's both. There's both. And that way again of like trying to get control of an of something, like finding where I can have some agency again and something that feels absolutely helpless. I mean, I've been there. And like, you know, when my surrogate mom died from cancer, sorry, it's still emotional. Oh, sorry. It was a long time ago. But like, I remember when I went to school and I was like, if I had just gone to school somehow 20 years earlier, 10 years earlier, I could have done something. And I carried that guilt, which was like, until I realized I'm like, I'm carrying this because I can't accept the feeling that of helplessness. And when I accepted my own sense of helplessness in this world, I was like, whoa, I was 12. Like a 12 year old is not meant to be a doctor. You know, like Doogie Hauser aside, you know, like, do you know there's a real Doogie Hauser? That show is based off someone. I think I do. Yeah, he's I think like, I, yeah. he lives around here. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that aside, it's like, it's surrendering into uh, the helplessness, I think is part of it. I think my girls have had to do that too, because with their dad. 
you know, because they were 10 and 7. I mean, more so my my 10-year-old at the time, who's my older one, has still deals with that and struggles with that. Yeah. God, if I could only have been, you know, yeah. there to help him more. So it's a, it's, it's, yeah, we all have to get to a place where there's some kind of calmness about or just surrender of, you know, we can only do so much and we have to, we may maybe not be okay with not being able to help them, but it is what it is. So, and to, I always think to not be okay, to be okay with not being okay, yeah. right? That saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the nuance that we're playing with because I'm like, this is actually where we get into what it is to be human. And I feel like when we, when we say like, there's this part of it of like, I feel helpless and I, and I tried to, and I, I blame myself sometimes to feel control and there are things I can do. And if I change my my thought process or I recognize the internal scripts that are affecting my immune system, I have a chance or I can make a difference. Or if I start taking in better food that gives me, that reduces my inflammation, I'm that much more likely to heal, which is empowering. It gives us something. Yeah, it gives us something. Right. And I, I mean, I do tap into, you know, clients or cleansers who do eat the food and then don't feel better. It's like, oh, what could I have done differently with that food to yeah. make them better? Or could I have just come to their house and feed them? <laughs> you know, there is a lot of that. That, that might have been part of it. <laughs> right. You know, so it's, it is, there's a lot, there's a lot I'm dealing with, with these individuals or clients or cleansers or whoever comes my way that I desperately want to help everyone. Yeah. So that it's hard when you can't. It is painful when you can't. Yeah. It's excruciating. Yeah. Whether you're a parent or a spouse or a doctor or a nutritionist or anything, and you want feeling helping people is part of your mission in life. Oof. It is painful to recognize, can I was talking to my sister the other day about it. She was asking for my feedback on one of the kids. She She's a special ed teacher and therapist. And she was like, I think I can't do anything. And I feel awful. And I gave her the feedback that I got when, from my mentor when I was working in pediatrics, which is sometimes this is their destiny. And I was like, and I rejected that feedback for so long, but this is the surrender of helplessness. Yeah, I know. Some people aren't meant to be here forever, right? Just that's what happens. I know. Oof, it's so hard to hold. Right. Very heavy stuff, especially when you've been through it, especially when you've lost people that are in your life that you don't want to lose. My daughter just got married and two months ago, thank you. It was magical, but not having their, her dad there was very painful. And he's been gone for 18 years and still was so painful. He's very present. He's around all the time. He doesn't want to leave us, but I, we always can feel him around. But it was really hard to not have him there. I can't imagine. It's hard when loss meets milestones. Yeah. It bumps up against those milestones, and it's just like... Totally. And time doesn't really change that. No. You think it does. It's a little better, but not, yeah. not a ton. Yeah. I remember talking about... I don't ever talk about her... I did this when I was an artist. I did this whole show about like the time to mourn because I didn't accept her death until I was probably, I didn't even think about it, to be honest, for about eight, 10 years. And then I was in this mourning process because I went to therapy and yeah. was dealing with it. 
and it didn't make sense to anyone. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm mourning right now. I'm in mourning. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. When did you lose someone? I was like, 10 years ago. And it was just like unacceptable to, for most people. But right. Because they're like, time heals. Right. Exactly. Which is not always true. Yeah, because you hadn't mourned, you know, you hadn't gone through that process. So, you know, it's like it, I mean, there are things that come up all the time. It's still for me, like things come up for about just still trauma or things that I've lost in my life, you know, that I wish I had done differently, of course. So it's still, I'm mourning those things all the time. So it's, it never ends. That's life. Like, so we just have to do the best we can and also try to like give ourselves some hugs and like love and and nurturing. But I can't tell you how many, I ask all of my clients when I'm on the phone with them, yeah. do you love yourself? And I would say 90 plus percent say no. They don't even know what that means. So you've taken that question that you got asked yes. in the beginning yeah. and now you integrate into your practice. Yes. That's such a beautiful, yeah. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. So I, I think, okay, ooh, we got some work to do here. Yeah. What are the ways that you find sort of lead them in? Because you've been down this path of I imagine, I imagine if you're asking the question that there's some type of transformation that you've had. Yes. And so what do you see as most supportive in those people you work with? Yeah, it depends on the person and how far they're willing to go to like explore that option, if they have fear around it or not. But I work with a lot of healers. So I work with therapists and I also work with hypnotists and meditation people that I love and also energy healers that can actually go into the body and subconsciously, you know, help people release a lot of fears. Even the hypnotist does the same thing. It just depends on, or the plant medicine. I have plant medicine people that I deal with, uh, ketamine or psilocybin or ayahuasca. So it just depends on like how far they want to go. I have a lot of those people that I love and work with that because I've done all of that, that I could give them those people's names and that I've really loved. I got lucky 10 years ago when I started in the business of the wellness business. It wasn't like it is today. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Everyone's a nutritionist. Everyone's, right? Everyone is an expert. Yeah. Everyone's an expert. So because of TikTok and social Instagram. So it wasn't like that in 10 years ago. And I got to meet all these incredible people that were the real deal. There still are people that are the real deal out there, but they were... And so I got to be friends with them and we were such a small knit group of people and LA was just booming with this, all of this. So I got lucky and was able to like have these people as my friends. So I do have a lot of people that I can send these people to. So I, I feel like my list is very, they've worked for me and I've seen transformations in clients. So I feel lucky that I have them in my life. Sounds like it takes a team to embody self-love. It does. It's huge. And it takes years. It takes years. It takes a lot of resources or varying resources. And I don't mean just money. I mean like resources of like books or this person says this one thing and this person offers this one thing. And it's really, it's rebuilding the, the family system or the community that helps you internalize and embody self-love that often wasn't there when we were yeah. younger. Exactly. Where you can really exhale and then finally feel safe. Yes. That's the hugest thing, like yes. to the safety, because the world isn't safe. Yeah. How could we love ourselves if we don't feel safe enough yeah. to pause and experience ourselves? Yeah, exactly. And it's scary yeah. to like see ourselves in that light, in the true light, because we don't like a lot of things about ourselves. So that's the hard thing. 
And that's why I love the plant medicine or, you know, even therapy, going through, seeing yourself, like not the good, beautiful sides of yourself and being like, oh my God, do I really do that? Do I really say that? Do I really act like that? And then being able to viscerally let it go is huge for the most part. That I, I'm addicted to. Like I love seeing the negativity and then being like, I don't want to be like that. People experience me like that. It's, it's not a, something I want people to get from me. Yeah. Going back and to the team, like beyond inviting other people in to help build, rebuild that community for people for self-love, I'm curious how you do it in relation with your clients. Yes, nutrition, but yeah, can you give me? Well, I would say that it's wild. When I talk to someone, I usually do Zoom and I... Mm-hmm. When I get on the call, I find that the person's like, I don't know why I have digestive issues. I don't know why I have insomnia or weight issues or anything like that. And then as the call goes on, by the end of the hour, they're then telling me why they have a, you know, weight issues, digestive issues. I mean, it's pretty wild. Just being able to, I think I try to allow them to be safe and like also t- just give them a little of insight of what I've gone through, just a little, because I don't want to be the one talking. I want them to talk. But then they are like, oh, she really, she can relate. She gets it. And then they're really telling me, you know, what they need at the end. And so then I know who to direct them to. And then there's just really a group of us that I will direct them to a therapist or a hypnotist or an energy healer or even a plant medicine journey if they're that's a little scary sometimes for people, but the other stuff they'll tiptoe in and then they, it's life-changing sometimes one session yeah. with some of these people. And then I'll give them a plan of food to eat or lately I've been doing a lot of blood work. I'm kind of addicted to like finding out the nitty gritty of what's going on physically yeah. for them. Yeah. So I hooked up with a company in San Francisco that does blood work. And so now I can do a full panel of everything for these people for like under $300. Wow. I know. And anyway, they can, they'll get the kit and then I'll get the kit, the resources back in about a week or 10 days. So it's really fast process. And I could see that what's going on hormonally or heavy metals or full thyroid panel, metabolic, everybody's blood sugar is too high. So I can also see that like emotionally, I love dealing with this mm-hmm. stuff, but I could also see the physical stuff that's going on that most doctors don't test for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's been interesting because they go, they don't go into the doctor and they, they're taking maybe a statin, they still don't feel good, or or thyroid medication, they still don't feel good, and their blood sugar is still high, and they're on insulin. So yeah, going back to my favorite word is nuanced. (laughs) It's so nuanced and so and often, like you're saying, most doctors will look at it in a general wash as opposed to having the time, or they don't have the time often and are not reimbursed even to look at the nitty-gritty details and the you know the exact pathways that need to be evaluated physiological pathways i want to go back and mirror something back to you which i really heard which was like on these calls with clients one of the first things you do maybe not even intentionally is create an ecosystem of safety and then with all that you're doing and offering the world with nutrition especially like you're nourishing them the castle door comes down when you just take them out of that survival mode and by offering them some safety. And the the nutrients get to finally come in with what you offer in terms of your plans and your cleanses. I really see that sort of pathway of what you're doing. Thank you. That was I've never heard it put that way, but that was really cool. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know. That is the intention behind it, just to have people feel safe and and be able to, you're right, to be able to absorb what I'm telling them because I don't want them to waste their money on a session with me without getting something out of it. Well, also and absorb the nutrients itself. I mean, we can't absorb if we're in survival mode, which is like yeah. part of what I, I hear brought you to this work. Yeah, absolutely. I love that we're painting the, that pathway so clearly and, and you're doing it, you're embodying it in your work of like bringing people out of survival mode, allowing people to find and reclaim safety. And then as an access point into healing with, nutrition, which is as old as Hippocrates, you know, like such an old approach. Right. Because I've seen it in action and like it's the most incredible feeling to get someone out of that mode and to get them to a place where they really want to be. I mean, I've watched my girls with it, you know, like I, I see when I dealt with all of my shit and was able to get out of that in the fear and like not feeling safe and feeling love for myself, like they changed. Everybody around me changed. It's contagious. It is contagious. So that, I mean, how can you not be obsessed with that Yeah. sort of feeling? Yeah. Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for being on this show, The Gently Used Human. And where can people find you, connect with you more? So I do have a website. It's under my name, Alyssa Goodman. And I'm on Instagram, a little bit on TikTok. And yeah, I have a newsletter that goes out every week. And like LA people, they could do the cleanse. And I also have a seven-day reset that people outside of LA can do. So it's like the cleanse, but it's all recipes. And then we have bars and granola we ship out across the country. Every I know. Week. They're tasty as shit. Thank you. <laughs> Hopefully you're not eating the era ones. Are you? I mean, I might have sampled them. Yeah, they're not as good. They're not as good? They're not as good as mine. They okay. don't make them the same way. Okay. Well, I'm going to come over to your house. We're going to make a smoothie and we're going to eat some bars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Just those two things in the cells. Well, life-changing. <laughs> I'm excited. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. I always love doing this. So... It's fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Gently Used Human podcast with Dr. Scott Lyons and friends. Visit GentlyUsed.com for fun extras, including submitting your questions for advice from a Midwestern mom. And don't forget to spill the tea and gossip about the show with all your friends and frenemies. And show some love by giving us five stars and leaving a review in your favorite apps. This helps us connect with all the other gently used humans out there. Oh, and by the way, you look fierce today. <laughs> <laughs>